Hey, New Life family, it's great to see you. Thank you for joining us again this weekend. No matter where you're watching or listening from, we want to say thank you for choosing New Life Christian Center out here in the Central Valley of California. Hey, we're going to dive right into it because we're in this brand new series uh, called Unstrap, titled Unstrap. So go ahead and check out your phone, check in, and also you can pull up the sermon notes. So uh, go to the app, the New Life app, click on that, and then click on the bottom right-hand corner where it says Connect. And then pull up weekend resources and sermon notes. And then this weekend's uh, date there in the app. Also, don't forget about all the uh, housekeeping items that we do every week. If you have any prayer needs, you can text the word prayers to 30500. For any updates, you can text the word update to that same number. And we just want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness and your giving because we could not do what we do every single week to come in your kitchens, in your living rooms, in your cars, wherever you're listening or watching from. Uh, we could not do what we do without your faithfulness and your generosity. So we want to say thank you so much. Uh, also, also uh, we have resources available to you. So no matter what uh, age your kids are, we have resources available to them. And so uh, just go to newlifecc.com, click on resources, and you can uh, select whatever age group your child is in. We also have life group questions. Now, if you're not currently involved in one of our life groups, uh, we have just a few of those going right now because of COVID. Uh, so if you ever want to dive deeper into what we're talking about here on the weekends, you can pull up our life group questions and go through those as well, either with a friend or just by yourself uh, during your devotional time. Hey, we're going to be doing child dedications uh, here uh, on campus at both buildings. The South Building is going to be where the Turlock Campus is going to be dedicating children, and we're going to be doing it for the Patterson Campus in the North Building on Sunday, May the 2nd. Sunday, May the 2nd. All you got to do is just go to uh, the homepage of our of our website, newlifecc.com, and then scroll down to where you'll see the banner that says Child Dedications. That is the link to sign your children up to be dedicated. So make sure you do that. Uh, that link is going to be up there for another week or to 10 days, something like that, uh, next few days, and then you can get your child signed up, and uh, we will dedicate those children to the Lord. Uh, also, uh, beginning on that same date, May the 2nd, we're going to be implementing the next age group down for our kids. So we started at fifth grade and we're working our way down uh, because of COVID. We're not bringing all of our kids back at the same time. The next group that we're going to be bringing back is babies and infants. Okay, so if you have a baby or an infant or if you have a two or three year old, that you've said, hey, they're not having child ministry or um, uh, children's ministry yet for my two or three year old, so I'm going to continue to be in lane one and watch the service from home. Beginning on May 2nd, you can, you can bring your two and three year olds. Uh, we will have ministry available for them. And then right after that, we'll be implementing babies. Uh, uh, and infants. Okay, so make sure you put those on your calendar. I know there's a lot of information, but we just wanted to get that out there to you. Hey, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke. The book of Luke. If you're watching this for the first time and you are a new believer, the Bible is separated into two parts, Old Testament, New Testament. Old Covenant, New Covenant. Old Promise, New Promise, whatever you want to call it. In the New Testament, the New Covenant, the first four books of the Bible, the first four books of the New Testament are called the Gospels or the Good News of Jesus, the biographies of Jesus. We're going to be in the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 16, verses 1 through 14. If you want to go ahead and turn there, we're going to be reading that here in just a few minutes. Um, Today's topic is about indicators. 
indicators, okay? Same thing as like turn signals on the inside of your vehicle. As we continue to dive into this message that we began last week, the series that we began last week titled Unstrapped. And talking about indicators, have you ever had to um, put more uh, blinker fluid in your vehicle? You know, like when your turn signal, it starts to get kind of dim and or they, they quit working, it's because you're low on blinker fluid. So check this video out of people asking for blinker fluid in their local auto zones. We look like idiots. And I did the talking. What? There was no such thing as blinker fluid. Don't videotape me. Did you ask for the bucket of steam too? Yes! I even told her, what is a bucket of steam? It's not funny. Okay, I look like an idiot. What did they say? I don't remember laughing at us. <laughs> he said, if your blinker's not working, you can try the bulb. And he said that through laughter. <laughs> it wasn't funny. I've never been so embarrassed in my life. And then he goes, you know, I think someone's trying to play an April Fool's joke on you. Did and you I was show like, him the coupon? I was like, no, we have a coupon. <laughs> I even told them what I got, and they're like, that's why I didn't know what it was. a bucket of steam? Yeah, the. There, there's a ton of those videos out on YouTube. I encourage you to go watch some of them. They are, they are hilarious about the embarrassment that we as parents love to put our teenagers through by going in and asking for blinker fluid. Well, externally, our turn signals show us and others where we are headed with our turn signals on, on our vehicles. Okay, but they also show us what's going on on the inside of our car too, right? Our thinking, our desires. I know it's just a turn signal, but it's telling something about us in a very minor way. Uh, that we want to go in a certain direction. That we're trying to get to a certain destination. Well, like the turn uh, signals in our vehicles, our resources, our money are indicators as well. They're not the end result. They're not ideas unto themselves. But they are indicating something about where I want to go about where I'm heading, what's going on on the inside of me. You see, your money and your possessions and your career, your, uh, your resources, how you manage them, how you deal with them, communicates what's going on on the inside of your heart, what's inside of you. So Jesus actually challenges us to think deeper and to learn more about what's going on on the inside of us to learn from him, to walk with him, to, to uh, communicate better with him, to find wisdom and peace and understanding and blessing. So last week we learned that we don't own anything. Everything that we have in our possession actually belongs to God. It's not mine. It's his. We also learned that, that uh, um, we all have been given a business to manage. Whether If you're following Jesus or, uh, th uh, this weekend, whether you know it or not, you are managing a business that he's given to you. Managing the things that God has given us is our business. We've said that the greatest loss in life is actually not to lose everything, which is what some of us fear, but the greatest loss is to be given everything that we've been given and miss the spiritual return or the spiritual harvest for how we can use it for God. To not invest into what God is doing. 
we also discovered that the biggest thrill in life is that the, at the end of our lives to hear God say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. You did very well with what I have given you. So let's celebrate together. So continuing in that same vein, that's my heart and desire for all of us this weekend. That one day you and I will hear those words. That we could confidently live a life managing well all the resources that God has given us. So we're going to be looking at this story in the, the Gospel of Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 14. And in this passage, Jesus is not only teaching his disciples some things about money management, resource management, but he's also speaking to a larger group of people. And these people believe that there was no connection between how they spent, their, how they spent and used their money and their spirituality. They, th- they didn't think there was any connection between the two. They thought that they could separate those two topics, finances and spirituality. And if there's one problem that we have in our culture, it's this. We believe that there's no integration between money and faith. We mentioned that last week. We don't like to talk about that. We don't like those two subjects being intertwined together. We think, no, listen, I can spend my money however I want, and it has zero effect on my relationship with God and my faith. You see, this is where Jesus is kind of taking that metaphorical two-by-four to the, to the group of people that he's talking to in this story, and he's saying, just hold still. I need to just whack you in the head real quick and kind of get this out of the way. Because he's trying to change the way they think and in turn change the way we think when it comes to our resources. Okay, now this story, as we're reading it, it seems to not make any sense at all. When Jesus is telling this story to this group of people, it it doesn't seem to make any sense because of some of the twists and turns in the direction that it's going. So in in Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 14, let's read that. And Jesus told this story to the disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, hey, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you're going to be fired. The manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me and I don't have the strength to dig ditches. I'm too too proud to beg. Ah, I know. I, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come in and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much money do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat. He replied, here, the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels instead of 1,000. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world, listen, it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of light. Here's the lesson. This is still Jesus talking. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then, when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you into an eternal home. 
If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will, you, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters. Again, this is still Jesus talking. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. The Pharisees, who dearly loved their money, heard all this and scoffed at him. So when you read this story, when you listen to the story, you think, oh man, this bad guy, he's about to get it. And then Jesus commends him for his shrewdness. And you think, what? What am I supposed to do with this story here? Am I supposed to rip off my, my boss? Am I supposed to buy off people? What exactly is Jesus trying to teach us here? Jesus is actually using a negative example to teach us something deep. He's actually teaching us to get unstrapped from all the expectations and temptations and fear that drives a lot of our decisions around finances and around resources. In this, Jesus is showing that the people of this world are more shrewd than those who follow after God. Then what does the word shrewd mean? Okay, it kind of has a negative connotation. But the word shrewd means astute or keen. Using every means possible to obtain what is desired. That's the definition of shrewd. It's a person who, listen, is totally committed to get what they believe is important. Totally committed to getting what they believe is important. A shrewd businessman will do whatever necessary to close the deal, to make the sale. A shrewd politician will be keenly aware of, of public sentiment and bias and will say just the right things to get elected. Someone who is shrewd will do whatever they have to do to get what they want. And Jesus says, look at this guy. He's totally committed to get what he wants. He's going to use every means necessary, including wealth and his connections to get what he values. So that when it's gone, you have what you want. So what can we learn from this lesson that Jesus is teaching? That we should do whatever is necessary, whether it's immoral or impractical, to make sure we get what we want? No, 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 no. That's not what Jesus is teaching. He's talking about the commitment level. So there's three lessons in this story. Lesson number one, I can use what I have to get what I value. I can use what I have to get what I value. As Jesus is telling the story of the guy who is willing to do whatever it takes, we can see that he's using shady practices. He's padding the expense report. He's asking himself, what do I have? Um, I've got a little bit of time, a little bit of money. I can manage my owner's money. I have relationships. I have power. I have influence. I have talents. I have personality. So he takes all of those things that he possesses at the time and uses it to get what he values. <laughs> now, what does he value most? He values himself. <laughs> he values his comfort. All right, this is not the most endearing individual, is he? And Jesus, the point that Jesus is making is this. Even an unethical guy like this is so committed to getting what he wants. Money, status, possessions that he will give his whole life to getting exactly what he wants. He is completely committed to making it happen because he believes that these things are going to give him comfort. 
They're going to make him happy. They're going to give him security. So here's the main point that Jesus is trying to make. You and I should be that committed to using what we have to make an eternal difference. Now, notice he didn't say you, you got to do whatever means necessary, whether it's immoral or unlawful, to make sure that you get what you want. No, no, no. Jesus is saying that you should be that committed to use the resources that he has given you to do things that has an eternal difference, to make an eternal difference that has eternal value. So let's, let's take a quick assessment. What do you have that God has given you? Okay, you have some resources, you have some income at some level, maybe an education, maybe personality, a family, a home, possessions. He's given you talents and skills and abilities, giftings. And Jesus is asking, what if you were to take all of those things that you've been given, taking those things and be completely committed to take all of those things that you've been given so that you can get what truly has value, what truly matters. And we know that if we're following after Jesus, there's only two things that really matter. God and others. God and others. Jesus wants us to be absolutely committed to making a difference to things that truly matter, which is God and people. God and people. Look what he says in Matthew chapter 22. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important Love your neighbor as yourself. So let's break those down. Let's break down neighbors. Let's break down others and then talk about what it means to serve both or to uh, the, the things that really matter, both others and God. Let's talk about others first. Others is our family, our friends, people in your circle of influence. Are you committed to investing into your family? Are you committed to investing into things that matter? Are you committed to investing into your friends, into the people in your circle of influence? You see, sometimes we believe that we're honoring our family when we buy all kinds of possessions. When actually what we're doing is just creating a legacy of debt. The Bible says that the borrower is slave to the lender. Being a slave is not being committed to provide and bringing your family the best. We're not teaching our family anything if we're teaching them to have a legacy of debt. Instead, give your family your time. Give your family, give your friends your time. Give your circle of influence your time. Time is the most underrated but most valuable commodity in our lifetime. And we have to manage well what we've been given. Use what we have to invest into the people in our sphere of influence. What do we value most and how can we give that to our family? Luke 16, 9. I tell you, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. And this way your generosity stores up a reward for you in heaven. I want to read that again. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. In this way your generosity stores up a reward for you in heaven. We don't use all that we've been given simply to build a career or to buy something that's bigger and better and brighter and faster and newer. It's using what we've been given to build alongside others things that last. Okay, so that's how we honor others. Okay, how do we honor God with our resources? We talked last week about bringing our tithe into the storehouse or the church. 
to invest into the kingdom. That's what we do here at New Life. That's what this church is all about, building God's kingdom in every way possible to reach out to, our, to, to the world outside these four walls and to bring hope, the hope of the good news of Jesus Christ. This is our heart, to love people one step closer to Jesus. And we all are on our own journey. We're all taking a, either a baby step or a giant step. But we're trying to love everyone one step closer to Jesus. This is what Jesus is talking about. Are we committed to accomplishing what it truly matters in our life, God and others? If we'll take what we have, a little bit of time, a little bit of money, a little bit of opportunity, we can invest in what really matters so that when it's all over, when it's all gone, we've got what we want, a treasure stored up in heaven. So here's a second lesson that Jesus is teaching. Number two, my money reveals my character. My money reveals my character. Luke 16, 10 through 12 says this, unless you are faithful in small matters, you won't be faithful in large ones. If you cheat even a little, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's money, why should you be trusted with money of your own? You see, money is like a medium. All right, and I don't mean Somebody that thinks they can talk to the dead, okay? Money is like a medium. It's, not, it's, not, it's kind of neutral. It's not good or evil. But it does show motives of my heart. It shows the deeper things that's going on inside of me. And then I know you may be thinking, wait, but Jeremy, doesn't the Bible say that money is the root of all evil? It actually doesn't say that at all. Here's what it says in 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Then it says this, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Money isn't evil. It's not what's evil. It's the love of money. And it can bring, the love of money can bring grief. It can bring, it can bring pain. And you've probably seen that and experienced that in your own life. Money acts as this neutral instrument. In fact, listen to this. What really is infecting you and me in our heart and in our soul will show up in our finances. I want to say that again. What really is infecting you and me in our heart and in our soul will show up in our finances. The real attitude and feelings, our insecurities, our fears, our trust will come out in how we deal with our money. Jesus says this, if you don't learn... If you don't ever learn how to do well with small things that you're giving, then do you really imagine that your master is going to trust you with significant things? If you've been given a little and you can't manage that, don't expect God to give you more. Our money isn't for us to hoard. Our money isn't for us to trust in. Our money isn't for us to put our hope in. Our money isn't for us to worship. The money that we've been given is meant to be a blessing both to me and for others. Jesus is challenging us with this. If we can't learn such a basic thing as the insignificance of money, then why on earth do we feel like God is going to entrust us with spiritual understanding and spiritual truth? Because we'll do the same thing with spiritual riches that we've been doing with physical riches. And I can tell you this. I've been around the church all my life, 
49 years old, grew up, born and raised in church. You show me someone who's generous towards the kingdom in their giving, and I'll show you someone who is living out trust and growing in a deeper relationship with Jesus. I've seen it over and over, time and time again. Someone who is truly invested into the kingdom with their giving is someone who has a deep, committed relationship with Jesus. We sometimes think, think that spirituality is sitting around and just saying deep things all the time. That's great. But there is nothing like generosity to show the true depth and desire of our hearts. That's the second lesson Jesus is teaching us in this story. Here's the third lesson. Lesson number three. My money identifies who I serve. Man, this is powerful. This is convicting. I've been waiting to get to this point ever since uh, we, we wrote this message, ever since we, we, we felt God given us this message. My money identifies who I serve. Luke 16, 13. No one can serve two masters. This is Jesus. For you will hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Money in this passage is more than just money. It's material confidence. We can't worship God and money at the same time. And here's the reason why. They require opposite forms of worship. They do. God, who wants to be our source, says this, rest in me, trust in me. And he models for us generosity and giving. And giving. Money, on the other hand, requires fear and anxiety and worry. That's how we worship money, trying to get more, worried about, not going to, not, about whether or not we're going to have enough or running out or holding on to it real tight or being selfish with it. That is our worship of money. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. If I'm your source, then you can rest in me. You can trust me. You can find your security in me. If we've been fooled into thinking that money comes from our own efforts or the economy or from circumstances or from our own security, then what happens when we can't work? What happens when the economy falls? What happens when our investments crumble? What happens when we get laid off or lose our jobs? If you are the primary source of your income, if you are your own provision, then when everything goes sideways, so does your provision. If everything is dependent on you. But if we believe that our money comes from the Lord, even the ability to work and make money, then we can come to him over and over again because he is our source. He is our supply. It all depends on which God you're going to see as your source. It all depends on which God you see as your supply. Then the way you demonstrate that, the way that you, uh, you, you demonstrate your worship and your allegiance is to take your offering, our finances, our money, and you give it to God as worship. Everything we do to God is an act of worship. Whether we're raising our hands in prayer, whether we're singing songs, whether we're, uh, we're, we're uh, uh, greeting or ushering here at the church or what, whatever you're doing. Remember the Bible says that whatever you do, do it as an act of worship. When we give, that is an act of worship. It's a spiritual discipline. It's an act of worship. Listen to this. Everybody intuitively and instinctively gives their money back to the God from which they believe it came. I'm going to say that again. Everyone 
intuitively and instinctively gives their money back to the God from, from which they believe it came. If you think you got it from yourself, you're going to give it back to yourself. If you think the world gave you your money, you're going to put it back into the world. But if you believe that it truly came from God, that God provided to you your income, your resources, then you're going to return a portion of that back to him and honor him. Your money is an offering. My money is an offering. It will be offered to one God or to another. It's our choice and who we are going to surrender and trust our money to. Are we going to trust it to the world? We're going to trust it to, uh, uh, to, the, to the government. And I know we all have a portion that we have to pay to the government. I understand that. Are we going to trust it to God? Do we really believe that it came from God so that we can surrender it back to him and link it to his kingdom? You might think, Jeremy, how I spend my money, how I invest what, what I have is not connected to my spirituality. It's not connected to my faith. It doesn't matter. I can have just th this little thing going on over here, and I can have my spirituality thing going on over here. They're not connected at all. And Jesus is saying, that, Jesus is saying this in this story. Listen, they are so connected. They are so integrated. That if you don't put me first in how you manage your resources, then I am not first in your life. That's not Jeremy. That's not Pastor Dave. That is Jesus saying that. These are so integrated. They're so connected that if you don't put, if you don't put me first in how you manage your resources, then you're not putting me first in your life. He's just that clear about it. He says, if you serve money and things... If you're all about yourself, then I'm not first in your life. But then he says this. If you will take what you've been given, if you will take everything that you've been blessed with, and you invest into me, if you take everything that you've been given and you invest into the kingdom, then you will have what truly matters. And you will have invested in what's truly valued. And it will show this world, this is important, it will show this world not to what you belong. It will show this world to whom you belong. You may be out there and say, Jeremy, are, are you saying that, that God wants all my money? No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we all need to come to the recognition that everything that we have comes from him. All he's asking is for us to surrender a portion and percentage of that back to him, to honor him, and to prove that we know that what I have comes from you, God. I'm not going to be consumed and tied down and burdened and worried about everything that's happening around me because I know that everything that I have comes from you. And this is my way to bring my faithfulness and my trust and my surrender back to God with my resources. Wherever you are, will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for another time that we have been able to gather online.
and talk about another act of surrender, another act of worship, which is surrendering to you, like we said, what really already belongs to you, which is our finances, our resources, our income. Father, we know that you're not asking for 100%. Lord, we know that you're just asking for the tithe, a 10% off the top, Lord Jesus. It's our honor to surrender that to you, to lay it at your feet as a sacrifice of praise. And Father, we know according to Scripture that once we do that, when we are obedient to your word, when we are obedient in our trust, obedient in our faithfulness, obedient in our surrender, Lord, that you're going to give it back to us, Lord Jesus. That you're going to open up the windows of heaven so big, Lord, that we, we don't even have room to contain it because we trust you. Father, help us, Lord Jesus, to learn the lessons from this story that Jesus taught the disciples 2,000 years ago that's applicable to us today. Father, that you want us to be so committed to growing the kingdom that we'll do whatever we, whatever we can, that we'll take all the possessions, all the resources that you've given us, Lord, and we'll turn around and we'll surrender it to you, Lord Jesus, for your kingdom. Father, because we know that you've called us to be a blessing to others and to you. Father, we worship you, we love you, we surrender ourselves to you. Help us to grow. Help us to grow in the area of generosity, Lord. Father, we are available. We are available this weekend for you to grow us and be more generous. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, if you're watching with us, uh, if, you're still, if you're still tuned in and you say, you know what, Jeremy, how do I begin this cycle of generosity? How do I begin the spiritual discipline of generosity? We talked about earlier uh, in thanking you and being so generous in your, in your faithfulness. But we also just want to let you know that if you want to surrender, if you want to begin that spiritual discipline of generosity and giving back to God, you can do that through New Life. You can do that through our app. Just go to, to, just go to the app, open it up. You'll see the, uh, uh, the, 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 at the bottom of the page. Uh, of the app where it says give. You can click on give and it will walk you through the steps there. Uh, you can give wherever you want. The Turlock campus, Patterson campus, we know that we know that you have the right heart behind it. Um, you can send that in via mail and you can send that to our post office box here in Turlock. Uh, but however you decide to begin this journey of generosity, we just want to say thank you. Okay, you will not regret it. Uh, we've said this over and over and over again. It's the only place in Scripture where Jesus says, test me. Test me and see that I won't come through for you. All right. So, hey, thank you for tuning in. We love you guys. Don't forget about all the announcements we made earlier about prayers and update and resources, uh, baby dedications, child dedications. Look for the link on our, on our website, newlifecc.com. Click on that, fill it out. That's on May the 2nd. And also we'll begin bringing two- and three-year-olds back on May the 2nd as well. And then soon we'll be, uh, we'll be able to bring back our infants and our babies. Okay. Hey, the Patterson campus is still rolling along. We're still keeping up with what's, with what's happening there. We'll try to keep you up to date as much as possible. Don't forget to tune into our social media pages, Facebook and Instagram for, for, uh, for updates about when we'll be able to relaunch and get in our new building. We know you're praying for it. We're praying for you. Can't wait to see you back here next weekend. Have a great week.